Elite Expert Insider, the podcast that educates, inspires, and motivates you to take your business and life to the next level. We would like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. Please go to the link bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get a free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible. Now to Elite Expert Insider for conversations with industry leaders. Hey, great to have you again here on our podcast. We want to um, remind you to subscribe to us. We want to encourage you to like us, to send us messages, give us reviews. Um, and we want to tell you that we are broadcast to you courtesy of Elite Online Publishing that does all publishing for nonfiction books. We like things that educate, motivate, and inspire people. If you have a book inside of you, please contact Elite Online Publishing and subscribe to our podcast here today. So we have a great story coming up for you. Um, you are going to learn how through faith and love that you can overcome your loss as well as challenging yourself to push yourself to your limits. So I think it's something we all need, how to push yourself to your limits to overcome loss and come out the other side uh, shining and being happy. We have Mika Mossbecker with us today who has written a book and um, she has become a race car driver. So we are going to hear about her book. We're going to hear about her journey. Uh, Mika, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. Oh, it's great to be here with you. Thank you so much for including me. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, um, starting with your love life and that kind of took you to your road of where you are now. Well, it's, it's interesting. I actually wrote Racing Forward as a tribute to my late husband, Bob Mossbacker, who was just an amazing man, my soulmate, uh, uh, Secretary of Commerce under George Bush, a wildcatter, a world champion sailor, and just an all-around great guy. And I, it was really my privilege to have the opportunity to share my life with him. And sadly, I lost him to pancreatic cancer in 2010 and uh, was really kind of set adrift. And it occurred to me when I was going through this loss that, and some days were so hard, that other people uh, were suffering too. And, and, and looking at it, I realized that the only thing in life that's constant is change. And you have to learn to embrace change, to hug it, and kiss it goodnight sometimes, because it's something we have to get used to. And my mom, who was sort of this uh, very Stoic Nordic woman, a woman of tremendous faith, said, you know, you've got to play the hand you were dealt with in life. And uh, I had to kind of draw on my inner strength, and, and I'd been through a divorce. I'd been a single mom for 10 years. I knew what it was like to live paycheck to paycheck. I had been laid off from a job at Oppenheimer & Company, an investment banking firm. And, and I, I just realized that uh, loss uh, is something that we all go through, whether it's a catastrophic loss like a death of a child or a spouse, or if it's just a, a, a one of life's many changes, such as you know career loss. So um, that's what inspired me to write the book: is, is how how did I cope? And I really wanted um, to be very candid about um, you know having good days and bad days and difficult moments, and how my faith kind of uh, led me through this you know the, these tough circumstances. What were some of the key principles that you used to get through your loss that you share with us in the book? Because you had quite a journey. 
well, yes, I like <laughs> passenger seat belts. <laughs> My life has been um, up and down and all around. Um, you know, first of all, I've learned to embrace change because really sometimes change is opening the door to a whole different path and one that probably you were meant to be on. And so, you know, in during changes and uh, recognizing that maybe what's happening is best for you is something that has often uh, helped me. You know, my grandmother said, God doesn't close a door without opening a window. So that's one of my principles. And I would not have met my husband if I had not been laid off from Oppenheimer. I was uh, in a job. I was in a rut. I'm really a journalist, so I'm more of a creative talent than uh, an you know, investment banker. But, but that was an opportunity presented to me when I was divorced and needed to earn a living. And so I had done uh, the job for two years and was pretty miserable in it. So I was stuck in a rut. But I needed the paycheck and, and, you know, and I needed the career. And so I was reluctant to kind of look uh, at other avenues. And uh, there was a massive layoff. The market wasn't very good in 1990. And I just remember walking around the Houston Galleria uh, kind of depressed and just kind of doing window shopping, trying to get my head together. And I walked by a store, Louis Vuitton, and they were looking for someone to handle marketing and PR. And I just walked in and I said, you know, I'd, I'd love to do it. And they said, well, we're involved with the uh, America's Cup, Louis Vuitton Cup which is a very well-known, world-class sailing uh, event that happens about every three to four years. And they hired me pretty much on the spot. And so I went home that night with a new job. And in the process, uh, the store was moving to new quarters at the Galleria. And they wanted to have a fantastic party, you know, just really have this great launch party. And so the sky was the limit in terms of budgets. And we brought in a world champion sailor, Buddy Melgus. And Buddy said, hey, You've got to call my best friend, Bob Mossbacker. I haven't seen him in years, so I'd love for him to come. And he came. I said hi and goodbye. I didn't think anything about it at the time. I was really busy working, and it was a big, successful event and, and pretty demanding that night. And he called me out of the blue three months later, and my entire life changed. And that was love at first sight, all because of a layoff. So, so yes, I've learned you can wallow in, in, in your bad circumstances, or you can have faith and look forward and wait for the other door to open. That's a wonderful inspirational story. I really like that. I love the window and the door analogy. So good. And the romance. All the romance that was and in there. Romance. I wasn't even looking for anyone. And that's the other message that I have for, for, for friends who are going through a divorce or they haven't been married yet. Is, is just to be patient and kind of wait on God because really that person is out there for you. I truly, truly believe that there's a soulmate for everyone. Uh, and, and you don't want to have a placeholder. You want to wait for that special person. And uh, and I just feel so blessed that that happened to me. And, and uh, it went by too quickly. It, it you know, went by in a flash. So that's the other principle that guides me is carpe diem, seize the moment. Uh, you know, there's, you might not have, and, and that's the other thing, in seizing the moment, I tell people, please don't wait, please don't wait to do something you've always wanted to do, because tomorrow might not come, life is short, so try to carve out some time in your life to do whatever it is you want to do, painting, you know, or take a language, or go take a trip, you know, but don't wait, you know, because 
You just don't know. So you really have to live in the moment, as hard as it is in this fast-paced world. Yeah, both of those things kind of go together about uh, the tip that you gave for people being single. Um, I think it's, uh, I heard a sermon one time that it said you have to be kind of happy where you are. God needs to use you and your work isn't done. So you had things that you did during that process that you couldn't have done with having a mate there. And um, and seizing that moment is just waiting for that time to come and really enjoy where you are, whether you're single or with somebody. Enjoy that time of your life instead of always looking, well, I don't have this person yet, and, blah, and just really be happy where you're planted and you're blooming right there at the moment. You were so happy with that new job um, and really making the most of that opportunity. Yes, and that's, that's really what it's all about. And you really have to be happy within yourself and, and carve out a life for yourself where you feel satisfied and have purpose because if you're constantly looking forward to, oh, well, once, once I get married, then I'll be happy. Once I have three kids, I'll be happy. And you have these expectations, and life throws you curveballs. You know, I mean, uh, I wanted several children. I was lucky to have one. It, you just don't know, and I think you have to really appreciate where you are and what you have. And, and, and on my worst day, days where it was so hard to rock myself out of bed, I would say to myself, you know, I have my sight. I have my hearing. I'm not in a wheelchair. You know, and so sometimes you just have to count your blessings, and it's a lot of things that we just flat take for granted. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how you got started racing a Ferrari. I mean, not every woman gets to race a Ferrari, let alone just drive a Ferrari or drive in a Fer ride in a Ferrari, but you are racing a Ferrari. So we've got to hear how that um, happened and how it changed your life. Well, you're, you're talking to someone who used to be afraid of speed, especially if I was a passenger and my brother's car, I always drove too fast. And, uh, you know, I kind of drove like the grandmother I am. And, and my brother has uh, been a racing professional. He has a day job, but he's, he's raced since he was in his 20s. And he started racing again in the 60s and said, you've got to come out to the racetrack. I'm racing in Daytona, Florida at the Rolex 24 Hours, which is an endurance race. And you have to come. And I said, well, I don't know. Bob is dying. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but you know, I'll keep it in mind. And I think my brother really understood that I needed something to look forward to. And so he kept supplying pressure. Mom wants to see me race too. She hasn't seen me race. And I said, well, Bob's in hospice situation right now. Let me just see. Well, uh, sadly he died and the race was uh, several days later. And my mom and I flew to Florida, and it was raining, and it was dreary, and I went to the track, and I was depressed. And I'm sitting in the pits looking at the track and wondering why I'm here. I felt so lost, and suddenly they started the engines, and my adrenaline kicked in. And before I knew it, I was sitting up on the block with the pit balls, as we call them, and the block is this kind of this elevated area where you are actually... Uh, in touch with the cars and the drivers by radio, and I was just like, I, you, I've got to have a radio. I've got to hear what's going on. I'm, I'm just was so involved, and uh, I, so I spent almost 24 hours at the track, had the time of my life, and and I said to myself, you know, gosh, it might be kind of fun to to race, and and I, you know, kind of thought about it, but of course the timing wasn't right. But I went back to Texas and in Austin. They were opening up the new Circuit of the Americas track for the uh, Grand Prix. And 
my um, uh, I love Austin, Texas, and and I thought you know what it might be fun to get involved with with the track. And so I was appointed to the host committee and attended the meetings and really was a part of the whole project and went to the inaugural Grand Prix and I was just totally hooked. I mean, the next thing I knew, I was learning all about the uh, race car drivers, the famous drivers like Lewis Hamilton. I was just totally hooked. And one day I took a picture of a Ferrari because they had so many hot cars out um, in Austin at uh, downtown because of the, the races and, and people coming in, racing fever. And I took a picture of this car and sent it to my brother and he texted me back and said, you need to buy one. And I, I've always had these old cars. My car was 10 years old. And I said, well, I don't know about that. But anyway, long story short, I was so far out of my comfort zone. Um, I, I bought one. And the next thing I know, I, I was racing on the track in Austin, Texas. You know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and, and uh, our family motorsports uh, team, which has a website, it's called Godstone Ranch Motorsports. We're God-centered. And we are 501c3, and we raise for charities. In this case, the last couple of years for the American Heart Association. So um, we've, we've had a lot of fun, and one of our we have a pretty much all female pit crew, so we're unique in our class, uh, Grand Am. And uh, one of our uh, pit team members is Allie Gavino Smith, who has just had her second heart transplant at age 26. Wow. So, so um, she's, she's a walking miracle in herself. And um, the idea of Godstone Ranch is really that everybody has gifts and God-given talents and that they can use them to the greater good. And we've really seen um, a, a lot of wonderful things that are very inspiring happen just as, as a result of racing and the people we've met and, and CPR, keeping CPR in the lives that we've had. It's been really fulfilling. How fabulous that you, I wanted to ask you, what did you learn by pushing your limits? But I'm seeing some of the fruit that you got from pushing your limits. You started this whole 501c corporation and it's just filtering out and you're um, helping so many people through that. That was a gift that came from it, which wasn't even your intention. It was, it, it was yes, it wasn't my intention at all. It was the last thing. I've never even been to NASCAR. Um, one of the things that I found is, is that um, you really... Uh, by helping other people, by reaching out and connecting, you really help yourself. It really gives you a purpose in life and it really fills your heart. And, and I've talked to a number of uh, people who have retired and that's another loss. You know, they've lost that life, you know, especially men going to work every day. And it's interesting, uh, one is now a, a well-known sculptor and any time he sells a piece, he gives the money to charity. And I'm just discovering that, um, you know, through Generous spirit, so many gifts come your way. And um, there's so much pain in this world, and it's just great to be able to come out of yourself and stop thinking about yourself and what you've lost and think about what you can gain. I've made so many wonderful friends as a result. Three widow friends. That's, that's best friends now. We all lost their husbands about the same time. Pancreatic cancer. So you, you just don't know. Just not, as I said, nothing's certain in life, but your faith is my faith is constant. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that you say about the faith and how every the only thing you know for sure is that life will change. So embrace it. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And 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 don't, and don't just cling to the life you know. <laughs> you know 
Uh, be open. Be open. Be and be open and be present. And I always say God can't steer a parked car. One of my other principles. So you've got to keep on on going. And you know, there's there's ups and downs, but you can get through it, and you can come out to be a much stronger person and a much more fulfilled person. As a transcended into you writing your book. You got so inspired with everything you were doing, you wrote your book, and we're always curious, um, being that we're authors too, we like to share people's message of how you actually wrote your book and what were some of your secrets to get your book published because there's so many people out there that want to write but don't know how to discipline themselves. So tell us kind of how you disciplined yourself to write your book and how you put it all together. Well, for, for me, it was a little bit easier because my uh, early career was in journalism. I was a communications major at the University of Texas. I interned at um, the NBC affiliate in Houston as a on-camera uh, woman, on-camera reporter back when there were very few. Um, in fact, so far back that people will not remember who she is, but Jessica Savage was with the uh, a CBS affiliate, I think it's CBS. Anyway, Jessica, very well known anchor woman. It was a time when women were really just breaking ground. Now, you know, more female pundits on TV, I think, than, uh, than males. But not at the time. But anyway, going back, I was also, as a, as a writer, I was used to meeting deadlines, and that helped. And, um, several people encouraged me to, to write a memoir or a book, and, and I thought, well, I don't know how I feel about it, but finally one day I felt like I had this urge and I had a story to share. And and I wanted to share that life had that my life might have looked wonderful and fabulous from the outside, but it wasn't something that um, just happened. That it was attitude and I'd been through a number of losses and changes in life to get to that place. So I put some notes down on paper and I kind of outlined that and then um, I knew of a publishing house in Houston, Bright Sky Press, because a friend of mine had published her book through them. And it's an all-female publishing company. It's very professional. And I met with the publisher, and I pitched the idea, and they bought it. And I, I just remember that day because it's so scary to put yourself out there. What if they don't like it? What if, you know, and I really wanted to sell it. Self-publishing is, is an option, too, for, for authors. but. In my case, I was lucky, and they did buy it. And at that point, they said, well, we need it to come out by Easter. And I've forgotten. I mean, this was like nine months before, so it was probably like a January. They said, we need your copy um, done before Christmas. And uh, they assigned an editor to me. So I will say working with an editor is really helpful. You have someone to kind of spitball with. And um, she was based in Austin, which was really convenient. And so I, I had to turn in so many chapters a week. And I did find that a lot of times I pulled all-nighters when I was writing. So um, to get it to, you know, meet my deadline. But finally, I turned it all in. Uh, I remember in person, in all the questions, I handed it to my editor. I said, I just don't trust, I don't trust anything technical because we've had some disasters along the way. Copy would get lost. Um, you know, fortunately, it usually had backup. But anyway, I turned it in. It was such a relief. And then after I turned it in, and they were editing it, and I, you know, the editing process, you go back and forth, back and forth um, with your editor and publisher. And finally, it's all complete, and they're ready to go to press. And I called them up and said, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, <laughs> I was so, I'm a very private person. For someone who's used to public life, there's a part of me that's very private. And I just filled it out there. I put everything out there. And I said, I can't do it. And Lucy, my publisher, said, I understand, I understand. It's, you know, you're scared to put yourself out there in that way. But she said, that's why we bought it. We wanted it candid. We wanted it honest. We wanted to see raw emotion. So anyway, she talked me off the ledge. Yeah, it's really hard to be vulnerable, for sure. It's really hard to, to put yourself out there and take that big leap. It, it, yeah, it's taking a leap of faith. It's, it's, and, you know, it's, it's probably because I'm sharing my innermost emotions. And then also, I'm still getting used to this whole uh, social media and this whole different generation of uh, Twitter and, and almost too much sharing. And um, I find that uh, I, you know I'm frequently on Fox News now, contributing to uh, and political commentary. Um, you you can get so easily harassed with people who I call keyboard warriors. Who um, you know everyone has a microphone and everyone has an opinion, and you're not talking to that person face to face. And maybe you've had a bad day. And, and I think we've lost a little civility. I mean, I've been surprised at what people will say. Personal attacks, if you don't agree with someone, fine. So, you know, that's a whole, that, that's a whole other side of putting yourself out there, is that, you know, now you're subjecting yourself to criticism. So I have to say to authors, you know, and, and most of the time, reviews have been really kind, but sometimes someone doesn't like it. <laughs> they didn't connect with it. And so you have to have almost a uh, inner inner strength or a little bit of a tough skin, you know, to believe that um, not everyone's going to appreciate, you know, your message or you know uh, what you're trying to share. So. What do you think has happened to you um, since you've written your book, or because of your book? Uh, well, it certainly has. Uh, I have, as I said, I, I think I've connected, I mean, I was talking about my book on an airplane uh, with, with my seatmate. I don't know, she asked me where I was going, and I said, oh, I'm going, I'm on a book tour. She started sharing her story about her husband and his death and the loss and what she'd done with her life. And she was an extremely positive person, a little bit older than I am, and so we really had this great conversation. The next thing I know, the woman that's sitting behind us says, I just lost my husband last year. He died at MD Anderson Cancer Center. And so she's kind of joining in the conversations. We have kind of this three-way conversation going on. I, we stand up to disembark, and, and two people behind me said, my sister-in-law just lost her husband. What's the name of your book? And the next thing I know, we have sort of this group therapy going on on the air. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, it's really helped me It's really helped me connect with a, a, a lot of people that I don't think I would have. So it's, it's really, you know, it's really put me out there, but it's also been really rewarding. You know, I just feel like, well, if I can help one person, um, you know, by sharing one bad moment, um, it gives them permission to feel too. Um, people do respond to someone who's completely honest, and I've even seen that with men because, you know, men just really hide their feelings. And, and I did a, a radio program recently with a anchor in Dallas, and the reason he wanted to have the conversation about this book was he lost his wife. So I'm finding that the men will open up. I'll tell them a funny story, and then they'll say something like, well, did you ever feel in the worst time of your life, did you ever feel like you just didn't want to 
you know, live anymore. And it's, well, no, not necessarily, but I think it does pass through everyone's mind that it's so painful, I don't want to get out of bed. And, and uh, or I've had men say, you know what, I've just suddenly, I was driving my car over a bridge and just started crying. I said, oh, yes, you know, it, it, it's, grief is, is crazy. I mean, it, it just grabs you and takes over sometimes. And uh, I just think that's kind of how life is, is that it's like, it's okay not to feel happy and bubbly every second. It, you know, it, it, it's part of our, our lives. Well, kind of wrapping things up, I think that you... Uh, told us how by pushing the limits that it opens new doors for us and you don't know what to expect and to be patient and wait for what's going to happen but also live in that moment of what you're doing and um, tell us, leave us with uh, the last few tidbits of what you think will help somebody else get through a loss. You know, it, it's just the sun will come out tomorrow <laughs> and, and it does, it does, you know, it's just even with your tears, you know, just you, you know, a thing in motion stays in motion, and you've really got to think positively. I think you have to just imagine, you know, your new life and, and, uh, and embrace it because I think it's so rewarding to, and really also to withstand any kind of tragedy or loss and, and come out of it makes you really self-reliant and, uh, and, and helps you push your limits, as you said. Well, thank you, Mika. We are so happy to have you. Now, where can we find you? And uh, I know you can get your book on Amazon. Tell us Amazon where we can find Amazon you. Noble. Yes. And, and my website, Mika Mossbacker. Uh, uh, if you Google the website, it's, it's, you know, it's there as well. And you're on Fox News as a commentator. And what else have you been up to? Uh, well, with this political season, this is keeping me pretty busy. So um, uh, I usually do three or four shows a week, and, and that's the other thing that happened to me. Um, I'm now back on the air after, what, 30 plus years? And who would have guessed that I, at age 62, would, would now be back on the air, you know, doing uh, commentating. And, and, and you got into your book as well, like because you had that platform? Uh, yes, it, it all kind of happened at once. I think... Uh, I think partly as a result of, of doing a number of television programs and radio and, uh, and being involved, kind of being out there, um, that phone call came out of the blue. I will say that I did not pursue it. Uh, they found me. So that's been great, too. You know, you never know. But, uh, I'm, but well, I'm you, wrote a book, you were on a book tour and you're, you were being vulnerable and putting yourself out there. And, and then with today's social media, that's how people find you. Yeah, yeah, there's nowhere to hide anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's true. Well, well thank, thank you, Mika, for sharing your story and um, how I'm sure it's helped people to figure out how they can overcome loss and to push their limits and to have their faith and know that the sun will come out tomorrow. Thank Thanks uh, for watching our podcast. Again, we're brought to you by Elite Online Publishing. If you'd like to publish your book, we'd be happy to help you. You can find us at EliteOnlinePublishing.com. We have book retreats and writing workshops and master classes as well. So uh, please subscribe to us. Leave us a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to join the party and be part of us. So uh, please subscribe and review us. Thanks, Jen. You want to sign off for us? Yeah. We'll see you all soon. Thank you so much, Mika. Thank you. And everyone go out and grab her book. Thank you. 
For more information about us, go to EliteOnlinePublishing.com. To get your free book, The Accomplishment and Success Story Starter, simply text your name and email to 832-572-5285. That's 832-572-5285. We'd also like to thank Audible for supporting Elite Expert Insider. To get your free 30-day trial, please go to bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. That's bit.ly forward slash Elite Audible. And get your free 30-day trial to show your support. Thank you, Audible.